people here this early than usual, actually, at 10 o'clock. So it's like everybody wants to get home and get going. Um, this uh, this will be a very special service. It'll be a real simple service. But, uh, you know, um, so glad that so many of you have decided to come out and join us this morning. I know God's going to touch your heart in a lot of ways. And I want to give a special welcome to those who are here for the first time Merry Christmas, if that's you. Uh, This is your family news bulletin. Inside that family news bulletin, there's a welcome card, which is right here. And if you would, once you fill that welcome card out, you can take it to the welcome center, which is right behind this wall over here. Um, And we have a very special gift for you, which kind of is good for Christmas here. Um, Make sure that you read your family news bulletin. A lot of exciting things going on upcoming. I know for the ladies, uh, our Zumba classes stopped. Well, they're on again. Uh, they're, they're being led by a couple of people from the church. So uh, if you want to resume Zumba after the first of the year, after all the eating and all the stuff going on, see, it'll be great for them. And you'll be able to, uh, to exercise again in a really enjoyable and fun way of fellowship. So um, that's taking place. But make sure you read your family news bulletin, all the things that are going on, and we'll just uh, we'll be able to connect more in the coming year. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so much for this incredible day that we'd be able to come here on Christmas morning and celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that if there are people in here this morning who are coming in with, with burdens on their hearts, we know this is a time of celebration, Lord God, but life just seems to Um, throw a curveball at us uh, at any time. And Lord God, there are a few people here, I'm sure, this morning who are struggling in some area of their lives. And we just pray that you you would meet them where they are right now, Lord God, and you would heal. You would heal their bodies, Lord God, that you would touch their lives. If there's people with emotional difficulties... Maybe they're thinking through a loss they've experienced this year. Father, that you would just surround them with your love and encouragement. And Lord God, give them a very, very special, special day. So Father, we give this time to you. We dedicate it to you. And we pray, dear God, that everything that we say, everything that we do, the thoughts that we have, Lord, would focus on the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, and what that means to each one of us. Father, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I'll give you one quick Christmas Eve story. We had the family over last night, and this is when you know you're a grandfather, uh, and, the, and the, the, one, the little ones are getting a little bit older. I walked into the bathroom, like, you know, Merry Christmas. There was four dimes and a glow stick in the toilet. So, so I had to... Fetch, the to- fetch those dimes out of the toilet with the, with the glow stick. And I thought I was finished. So I started walking away. You know, the toilet goes down a little bit. You turn around and right back on it. There's another dime. So I had to go back in and fetch the dime out. So I was like, you know, you know it's Christmas when. Um, I'm sure you guys will have your own family experiences. I hope they're nothing like that one. But what a joy, I'll be honest with you, to have uh, my family over last night and to celebrate that time together. And now to come back this morning and celebrate with all of you. And uh, if you're here visiting, thank you so much. If you're a relative of someone here at Grace Chapel and you're visiting, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And I pray it will be a really enjoyable time for you as well. So why don't we just stand, find someone that you haven't seen maybe or uh, in a little while, or just, you know, Merry Christmas. Tell them Merry Christmas.
Well, Merry Christmas. Isn't it nice to say that? I'm telling you, I walk around and uh, you go shopping all these places and do all kinds of things. And, you know, people, they won't say Merry Christmas, most of them. And, uh, and you say Merry Christmas and it's almost like they get a new leash on life. They're like, you say Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. They're so excited to be able to say it back because you said it first or else they'll get arrested and taken to jail. You know, it's like Merry Christmas. They're so excited. Happy holidays. Happy this, happy that. You know what I want to say to them sometimes is like, hey, I'm not spending. Why do you think I'm spending all this money here? Okay, for a Festivus. You know what I mean? It's like a Festivus for the rest of us. That's why I'm buying all these presents and spending all the money on food. It's about Christmas. Merry Christmas. I got a really cool card in the mail from one of my students from long, long ago. And it says, Happy Holidays on there. And then inside it says, Have a wonderful winter time. <laughs> now, I, I love the card. It's really neat. Um, but there's absolutely nothing written on the card at all. And I thought, that is a great idea. You know how you re-gift things? Not if you guys would re-gift anything. Okay? Not that would happen. How many people were wrapping presents this morning? Come on, raise your hand. Yes, yeah, the rest of a lot of you are lying, but that's okay. God will forgive you. You know, it's all about grace. Um, but how about, I can actually re-gift this, re-card this next year. I'll send it back to them. But you have a wonderful winter time. You need some cards to say, have a wonderful summertime too. So that's even going less than happy holidays. Have a, have a wonderful winter time. Uh, he's a great guy and just never signed his card. Um, <laughs> Just, it, it, I just love it when, uh, when you do go in those stores, though, and, and they, won't, they refuse to say Merry Christmas um, until they realize they're, they lost 20% last year for not saying it. And then everybody's, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Hey, we're going to continue our, uh, our uh, talk from last night, sermon from last night. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior is born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So last night, we were talking about the birth of Jesus and how God first told that to shepherds. And we talked about the fact that, you know, the shepherds are on kind of the low end of the totem pole. Um, You know, nothing truly truly spectacular about them. They don't have any power. They don't have any prestige. They don't have any uh, ability to influence. And God chooses to come and tell about his son's birth to shepherds. I was thinking about last night, too, as I was going home. It's interesting that when Jesus came, he said the first thing he did when he started his public ministry, he said, I come to preach good news to the poor. Obviously, he's preaching good news to everyone. But isn't it just like God that you know, he would start out by telling the story to shepherds first? And then the first people that Jesus come and preach to, he preaches to the poor, those who really can't give anything back, those who are in a point in their lives where they are in desperate need. And I think all of us at different times in our lives are in desperate need, but it's really nice to know that, that the birth of Jesus Christ was, was, was first declared to shepherds. And we talked about the fact that because 
of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And because he first proclaimed that to shepherds, it, it kind of gives us a, a couple of truths. And the first truth we talked about last night was that God knows us. God knows us and we are important to him. We are extremely significant to him. And I want to encourage you again this morning, if you weren't here last night, that you know God purposed you before the creation of the world and you are, are important to him. God can impact your life and make a difference through you. And the second truth that we can learn from this announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds is that your life matters to God because he loves you. Your life matters to God. This passage teaches us that our, our, our life matters, not just us, but our life the life that God has purposed for us to live, that life that you're living, the breath that you're taking, and every day in each situation you're in, that matters to God because he loves you and he created you for that specific purpose. So your life matters to God. Not only you personally, but your life matters to God. And I'm sure that the shepherds would sit around on dark nights and God knew this. And they would sit around in dark nights around a fire and they would, they would wonder, maybe talk to each other and ask each other, you know, does my, does my life, or maybe to themselves, does, does my life really make a difference? Does, does my life matter? Do, does, does, is this what I'm doing day to day? Does it have purpose? Or am I just out here all by myself with these sheep with no significance and no purpose? You know, sometimes I think many people wonder, would it make any difference at all if I even got out of bed this morning? Would my, is my, my life making any difference at all? Because it just seems to me it, it's, it's an endless series of events and activities with really no significance. And some people go through life thinking that because they don't realize that they have a God who loves them and whose life matters. It matters to God. When, when God comes and shares the birth of Jesus with shepherds, what he's saying to them and he's also saying to us is our life is worthwhile. My gift to you is my son, Jesus Christ. That is my gift. Therefore, therefore live every moment with passion because I created your life with purpose. Live every moment that you have. Live it out, understanding that I created every moment. I've given you every moment for a purpose. Your life matters. Your life has value. And we need to know that. We need to know that it's, it's important to live in such a way that your life makes a difference. And, and every single person here, regardless of how old you are, it doesn't matter what background you come from, your life has significance. It is impossible to live and not influence, think about this, and not influence the people around you for good or for bad. It's impossible for any of us to live on this earth and not have an influence in other people's lives. You think, well, I don't have an influence. Yes, you do. Every day you influence this world. Every day you influence the people around you for good or for bad. And when we think that we don't matter, our life doesn't matter, and we don't understand our purpose in Jesus Christ, usually that influence becomes negative because we're not thinking about it. We're just kind of going through life and maybe thinking, man, this all doesn't matter, so what's the difference if I act this way or if I live this way? It does matter. And once we understand that we have a purpose, our life has a purpose in Jesus Christ, 
instead of having a negative influence on the world around us, we can have a positive influence on the world around, around us. It's something that I think all of us need to remember. Every single one of us needs to think about in our everyday lives. This is extremely significant. Our lives kind of like are a piece of a puzzle. Each one of us makes up a piece of that puzzle, a larger puzzle. Each interaction and every decision impacts someone's life or has an influence on the future. Every time you interact with someone and think, if there's no God, then it's just a random bunch of whatever. Who cares what you say? Who cares what you do? You know, if it ends up impacting someone's life for the positive or the negative, it doesn't really matter. But when you put Christ into the equation, everything you do, everything you say, every time you say it, every gesture, every activity, every event, all of it has a purpose in Jesus Christ. He purposed it all. And my piece of the puzzle matters. Jeff Greer's piece of the puzzle in this giant universe on this earth, this place we call earth, matters because it has that. It's kind of like dominoes. You know, you push that one domino, one domino affects the other domino until the very end. Like a tapestry. You ever take a rug? You ever see, you ever see a beautiful tapestry, a beautiful rug, the design on the front, and you're sitting there? That is awesome. You ever turn it over? It's just a tapestry woven together. And that's what we do. We don't always see what the end result's going to be, but every single one of our lives, because of who Jesus Christ is, has an impact. Everything that we do, the things that we say, the things that we're involved in have an impact. Now, there was an NFL player who retired years ago, and most of you will not remember him, but some of you older guys or maybe ladies will remember, women will remember uh, Bubba Smith. Remember Bubba Smith? Bubba Smith was, uh, was a, a great, great football player, NFL player who retired a few years back. He's a guy who many of you remember would tear the, the top off the beer can, you know, Miller Lite commercials, and, and then he would get into an argument whether it was taste great or it was less filling. And uh, <laughs> there was a magazine article, and Bubba Smith um, said that he really never drank beer very much. You know, alcohol just wasn't really a part of his life, but he said he liked doing these commercials because it was, it was easy and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was enjoyable, and he, and he made some good money. So, well, what's the difference? How, you know, what's, what, you know, use a celebrity to do that. Until one day, he went back to, uh, to Michigan State, his alma mater, and he was the, the grand marshal or the, you know, the celebrity there uh, at, the, at the parade, at the, at the homecoming parade. And so he's in the limousine and he's driving down the road in the, uh, this, the parade in the limousine and, and he's kind of waving to everybody and he hears, he hears some noise going on and people are yelling back and forth and, and he couldn't, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the Michigan State, you know, fight song. And he, what is that? And finally he realized half of the street down on the parade line, the route, were yelling, tastes great, and the other were yelling, less filling. Tastes great, less filling. And, and, he finally realized, he realized something, that his beer commercials were having a tremendous impact on the student body at Michigan State University. They were having an impact on their lives, and it wasn't the kind of impact that he wanted to leave with the students. That's not how he wanted to be remembered. Later, Bubba was going uh, to, he was in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, during spring break, and as he walked up and down the beach, saw like hundreds of drunk, drunken college students yelling back and forth to each other, taste great, less filling, taste great, less filling. 
And then it came time to renew his contract. And when it became time to renew his contract, Bubba Smith heard a still, quiet voice inside his heart saying, stop. And so he didn't re-sign the contract. He refused to re-sign the contract and, and, uh, and kind of ended that part of his life. Because he said, I-, I want my life to count, but not for something like that. It's not terrible to have beer. But he didn't want to be remembered for having drunken college students all up and down the beaches of Florida, everywhere else, yelling, taste great, less filling, and his name being attached to it. That's how he's going to be remembered. Everyone's life counts for something. It doesn't matter who you are. You can sit there all you want and say, well, you don't understand. My life doesn't count. It counts. Your life counts. Everyone's life counts for something. It's impossible to live in this world and not influence the people around you for good or for bad, for better or for worse. You do not live in a vacuum. You do, your life is not lived in a vacuum. Students, I'm going to ask you, what kind of impact, what kind of influence are you having on your high school or junior high or elementary school campus? What kind, of, what kind of influence are you having? Businessmen or women, business people, what kind of influence are you having in your business? Wherever you work, large company, small company, three or four employees, doesn't matter. What kind of influence are you having on the lives of the people there? Parents, what kind of influence are you having on the people in your family? Our lives matter. Because Jesus Christ was born, our lives have significance. I love Abraham Lincoln. I, I read all the time about our former presidents. I just, I just thoroughly enjoy reading history. Uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, all the like, founding fathers, those kinds of things. I, I, just, I get such an appreciation for um, their hearts and the, the genius of how our country was built. And Abraham Lincoln said this, God bless my mother. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to her. Abraham Lincoln lost his mother early on to a milk, a milk sickness, believe it or not. She, had, she was drinking milk from a cow that was grazing in a field where there was uh, white snake root. And white snake root is poisonous. So when she drank the milk, she ingested the poison um, and it eventually took her life. She was 34 years old when she died. Abraham Lincoln was only nine. And right before she was going to pass, she knew she was going to pass away. She called Abraham and she called his sister Sarah to her bedside. And she asked them, she said this, be kind, please be kind to your father, to each other, and to the world. Be good and kind. This is what she says when she's dying in her dying bed. Calls her kids next to her. And she says, be good to your father. Be good and kind to your father. Be good and kind to each other. And be good and kind to the world. Abraham Lincoln's mom only lived to 34 years old. But because she loved Jesus with all of her heart, she was able to influence a nation. You think, well, she didn't influence a nation. She didn't. God bless my mother. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to her. Nine years old. So who really had a great impact on slavery being abolished in this country? She understood that being a mother is sacred. Being a parent is is a sacred thing and that her life was significant. Everything that we do, everything that we say has spiritual implications. Everything that we do and say for Jesus Christ echoes in eternity. It is not forgotten. None of it's forgotten. Why? 
because our lives count, because our lives matter. The lives of shepherds and the lives of kings all matter to God. They're all significant to him. And he actually cares how we live our lives. It matters to God how you and I live our lives. Because Jesus Christ was born. You know, it's Jesus' birthday. And the gift that he wants from me and the gift that he wants from you is a life well lived. That's what God wants. Jesus Christ came here as a baby, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, gave his life for you so that you and I could live for him. The gift that God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, wants most of all is a life well lived. Let's bow our heads. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you this morning for who you are. Father, I, I look out here and see so many people who have given of their time to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we rejoice this morning because Jesus, our Savior, came to earth in the flesh to give us life, to draw us back into a relationship with you. And Father, we celebrate that today. We celebrate that this morning. Father, I want to pray a blessing on every single family represented in our church. And I want to pray a blessing upon every person sitting here this morning. Father, I pray that you would give them peace in 2012. Father, I pray that you would give them joy in 2012. Father, I pray that you would give them contentment in 2012. Father, I pray that you would bless them, bless their lives. Bless their families, the desires of their hearts, Lord, to serve you, to be used by you, to be part of that tapestry, to be part of the, a piece of the puzzle, that domino that affects other people. Father God, because you're a God of wisdom and discernment, you spoke to the, to the shepherds first, and it gives us insight into your heart. And it tells us that we, as simple as we are, some with no power, prestige, anything, Lord God, but you would speak to us in such a way to motivate us, to inspire us to serve you by serving others. So, Father, we celebrate this morning and ask, dear God, that as we leave this place today, that we would take that joy, that peace with us, and that we would spread it among all of our family members, our friends, that we would bring joy into the lives of others because of what you have done for us, the purpose you have given to us through your sacrifice, through your birth. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Before we close, before we leave, I just want to say one more thing. Um, I want to thank you for an incredible 2011 here at Grace Chapel. God has worked through you 
in such mighty ways. And, and one, of the, one of the ways I want to thank you this morning, because I get to see all this, and you don't get to see all this all the time. You know, I said about three or four weeks ago, there's a lot of people in our church who are suffering, a lot of people who are struggling, you know, not just with not being able to buy Christmas presents or have a good meal at Christmas or whatever else because of the struggles they face losing a job or the economic problems. And, and you guys showed up in a, in a big way. And there are, there are children waking up this morning, and this is just the truth, okay? There are children waking up this morning who are getting Christmas presents and getting really cool stuff, being able to celebrate and have a normal Christmas morning for what we call normal because of you, because of you, homeless people who are able to do some things they would not be able to do for Christmas because of you. The sacrifices that you made this Christmas have changed the lives of other people. And not only with presence, but with helping people walk through one of the most difficult times of their entire life. There are people in this church who have sacrificed so that others will not lose their homes. There's heat on this morning in people's homes because you sacrificed so they, they could have electricity, they could have running water, all those things because you gave and you made a difference in their lives. They wake up this morning and able to do something simple as turn on their faucet and water comes on or turn on the heat, cold night last night, and it's warm in their house because of your sacrifice. You don't get to see all the faces. You don't get to hear all the stories. And it's difficult to get up and say, and so-and-so's family, because it's just, it's, you know, they, they go here. But understand that behind the scenes, the impact you've made on people's lives will echo in eternity. And when you get to heaven, and understand this is a fact, this is an absolute truth in your life you can take home with you. Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So when you get to heaven and God says, thank you so much, it was, it was going to be a cold night, but it wasn't because of you. It was going to be a kind of a, a downer Christmas because we couldn't afford anything, but because of you, I had, a good, I had an exciting Christmas. My kids were able to wake, and, and you're going to say, Lord, when did I give you presents? I don't get it. When, when did I have the water go on your house? When did, I don't understand this. And he will, say to, he will say to you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So I want you to leave here encouraged because of your sacrifice. I want, to leave, I want you to leave here this morning encouraged because other people are having a Merry Christmas because of what you've done. So I say to you as your pastor, Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful time with your family, and we'll see you next week.